looking for Turam, just forced a bit wide. Marcus Turam! What a start to life in the Milan derby for Marcus Turam! Hello and welcome to episode 92 of Serie A Spotlight. We're your hosts, Drake. And Matt. And we're going to be covering the entirety of Match Day 4 in this episode. It was an action-packed weekend along with an action-packed week as the Champions League kicked off and we got to witness a Providel goal. Yes, 94th minute, the number that he actually wears on his shirt and he's also 194 centimetres yes. in length. Born in 1994 as well. Yeah. Um, and he scored in the 94th minute, so oh, 94 man. is his number, this guy. There's no quite feeling as a spectator of a neutral game than when a team is dying for a goal, that's the last minute keeper goes up for a corner and he ends up getting himself a goal. And, and the goal in the manner in which you got it of course last minute of the game great header apparently he he was quite a striker at a uh-huh. at a younger age that's what I've been hearing now Port but you hear all kinds of shit now yeah apparently he was a striker at Pordenone's youth academy where okay. he scored 27 goals in 2008-2009 he then the season after changed to a goalkeeper and was picked up by Udinese shortly after <laughs> Yeah, He'll probably still start as a striker for Pordenone. Probably today. start as a striker as lots. Your next game, I'm telling you, the way Mobile played. Yeah, Mobile looked like a 67-rated player on yeah. FIFA <laughs> in that game. I swear to God, man, he, that's exactly what he looked like. And, and I was saying, dude, um, Providel's form and technique was too perfect. It was too flawless for a goalkeeper to well, make that there, run. There was that to, to, to be fair, yes, the run was Phenomenal. amazing. I mean, no one picked him up. It was such a direct, like, diagonal run. Um, Luis Alberto did put it on a plate for him. as a spectacular, mm-hmm. like, cross shot. That, that, that kind of thing. If you get a header, if you get a touch on goal, then, then it's going in. But he put himself in the right position, man. He had the balls they had to stay up after they lost yeah, their yeah, chance yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah, they were all oh. calling for a handball. The defense were probably a bit distracted. Hey. And suddenly no one's marking the massive giraffe in orange. My right? God. And he just dunks on them against My, Oblak. And yeah, Oblak. man. And, and the save he got before that, the, the one-on-one to seal the 2 oh, yeah, victory yeah, for yeah, Atleti. Yeah. Brilliant, brave Incredible. stop by Providel, man. He... He must be feeling so good right now. And I'm I'm happy for him, man. Yeah, and Luis Alberto's like, finally some help. It takes the keeper finally <laughs> to convert one of my crosses. But yeah, guys, um, our goal of the week, moving on, was not actually Providel's, but it was Thuram's goal against yes. Milan in the 5-1 demolition of the Rossoneri. He scored an incredible goal, bro. Um, I wonder if you've prepared uh, an eloquently worded description for this one. I mean, not not particularly. I think when there are so many goals in one game, you, you start losing your, mm-hmm. um, uh, not creativity, but you, you try to keep them brief. But what he basically did over here is he, um, there was a long ball um, by Dumfries from the right to the left. It was a bit too long for Turam, so he didn't quite pick it up in the middle of the pitch, in the middle of the box and slot it in, but he had to go wide outside the area um, he was holding on to the ball in the corner of the box as as Chow was backing up on him and backing up on him he just cut inside and he yeah I mean I've never seen a ball hit the top corner that that directly um, and that accurately before yeah. it was a brilliant finish by Turam in, in, in what was the highlight of this weekend naturally Derby della Madonina's the highlight um, yeah. of the weekend in world football 
Um, unless there's an El Clasico or a Celtic Rangers derby or, or anything of that sort. But for Inter to get away with that 5-1 victory, that is the highlight of this week. That That, that is going to consume a lot of conversation, I think, because we finally got to see two teams head into a derby, both on, in, in full flow and great form. But it just showed us that worlds apart at the moment. Yeah, um, it couldn't have been clear. Of course, we'll get into the game in more detail shortly. If this is your first time listening, I swear to God, we have structure. This is just the part where we where we open up, break the ice a little bit, you know, get comfortable, warm yeah. up our voices. Um, yeah, I mean, there were many honorable mentions for goal of the week. There was Luis Alberto's um, amazing curler from outside the area, Cristante's rocket from outside the area, Bonaventura's volley. Um, was very nice too. Vlaovic had two expert goals yeah. as well. And Politano had a yeah, good I li- goal. Yeah, I liked Politano's volley a lot, man. Raspadori had a good goal as well. Yep. Um, if you disagree with our goal of the week, if you're listening on Spotify, you can scroll down to the bottom and vote on the poll. If you're listening on YouTube, you can go down to the comment section and leave a comment. If you're listening somewhere else, you can go fuck yourself. Exactly, I mean, guys. It's not that hard. Yeah, there's not much we can do about that. Go somewhere, find a nice quiet room and go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> You go do that And while you're at it You can follow us on TikTok (laughs) And Instagram To stay up to date With our snippets And to interact with us As well Thank you very much Um, Guys um, If you would like to support Our content Also that is $3.99 On Patreon And you will become A part of the family Be added to our WhatsApp chat And all that The loss of the formalities Is a fun one Um, Our Don't don't forget While while Jake is at it Don't forget to follow His personal account On Instagram And give him a blowjob While you're at it (laughs) the amount of shit He's asking for (laughs) Yes please I mean These are It's part of the SOP, no? I yeah. Mean, unfortunately. Standard do this, do this, do this. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yes, our Fanta Culture League has kicked yes. off and it's fun as fuck. The girls were off to a bang. They had Vlaovic. They had everyone and their mother who scored. Yeah. But they happened to be a man down. Looks like taking Reiner, Yankto, Burabia, <laughs> El Sharawi. None of those guys hey, paid man. They had their reasons for taking yeah. who they took. But yeah, a, a lot of their guys they just simply didn't play. Um, they're actually unlucky because Illich got injured in what I believe was the warm-up, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Shortly before the game. Shortly before the game. Um, they had a Chalanoglu goal, bro. They had a Doppietta. Who was their Doppietta by? Vlaovic. By Vlaovic. Yeah. They had the, who did you say scored for them? Vlaovic. <laughs> no, no, before that. The <laughs> That's the only one there. I know. Um, Vlaovic, Chalanoglu, there was someone else. Did they the take Chiesa? I don't no, know. I had Chiesa. Okay. Chiesa I'm not sure, but they... But they, they were lit And the Renegades The the team that um, Taco picked, Exactly Taco's team Lewis's team He picked up the players After the auction was done So he was dealing with scraps over there He picked, he picked up the likes of Mazzetelli Cristante Derun Who all happened to contribute to a goal This week Mazzetelli getting two And he destroyed He's currently first in the league If you'd like to keep up guys We're posting screenshots of the league table And the results On Instagram on a weekly basis Matt and I both won That's the, yeah. that's the important thing Exactly Hopefully that will become a bit of a theme over here that we just simply can't stop winning. It will really <laughs> prove our ball knowledge, I guess. But before we get into each individual match, guys, I'll do the classic rundown. So on the Derby della Madonnina, Inter got away with a 5-1 victory against Milan, their biggest victory in the Derby since 2009. Juventus beat Lazio three goals to one, reminding us that they are one of the strongest teams in the league. Genoa 2, Napoli 2. Genoa actually had a two-goal lead over there, but Napoli managed to fight their way back thanks to Raspadori and Politano, both substitutes. 
Fiorentina 3, Atalanta 2 in what probably was the tightest affair this weekend. Roma 7, Empoli 0 was the not-so-tightest affair this weekend. Frosinone 4, Sassuolo 2, Sassuolo again, we're in the driver's seat in that match, but Frosinone going forward, they're relentless and, and fearless. Monza 1, Lecce 1, Lecce remain undefeated. Um, Verona 0, Bologna 0. Salernitana, nil, Torino, three, a great showcase of how far Torino have come. Um, Salernitana still have a lot and a lot of work to do if they want to stay in the division. Cagliari, nil, Udinese, nil, in quite a tight affair. It was going so well, bro, until Cagliari, Udinese, Verona, Bologna didn't get the memo. You know, so many amazing goals and high-scoring games and two nil-nils out of the bat. Boom. Yeah, man. I mean, there's a there's a seven nil. There's a two two, a three one, a five one, a three two, a four two. This, this is like a crazy week of football. And thankfully, mm-hmm. since it was the girls' first time being on Fanta and watching the games, they simply watched ninety percent of the matches with us. Mm-hmm. So it was crazy a whole weekend watching culture. But let's start things off, guys, with Inter five. Milan won in the Derby della Madonnina. You guys know me and Jake, you'll know that we did not enjoy watching this match, but for this podcast, naturally, we will remain neutral. Milan were coming off a 2-1 away victory against Roma, whereas Inter were coming off a 4-0 win to Fiorentina. Not quite the momentum that they were coming off of, however, because this was um, just before the international break, which shifted players' focus um, elsewhere, essentially. This is the first time in history that Inter have won all five of the last editions of the Derby della Madonnina. Milano truly is blue at the moment. This was not just a local derby, but also a head-to-head battle of top two, if we can call it that so early on. The only remaining teams with a perfect record after three rounds, as each team had three victories. Both made changes in defence as Acerbi made his season debut, while Fikayo Tomori was suspended and Pierre Kalulu injured. Olivier Giroud shook off an ankle knock from international duty to actually start the game and obviously play 80 minutes of the game and then play 90 in the game after. Inter lined up in their classic 3-5-2 formation with Sommer in goal and the backline of Bastoni, Acerbi and Darmian. They had DeMarco out on the left and Dumfries out on the right with a midfield three of Henrik Mkhitaryan, Hakan Chalanoglu and Nicolo Barella. They had Lautaro Martinez and Turam up front. For Milan, it was their 4-3-3 formation, their signature 4-3-3 formation this season with Mike Magnan in goal, RIP. Um, a backline of Calabria, Kier, Chao, and Theo Hernandez with a midfield three of Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Rade Kronich, and Tiani Reinders at Pulisic and Leao flanking Olivier Giroud. Now it comes to the play-by-play. I mean, yes, Pioli was right to point out that Milan did so well in the first opening four minutes. However, it was the fifth minute where Inter opened the scoring through Henrik Mkhitaryan. It was... Um, Di Marco, whose low shot cross into the box just needed a touch by one of the Nerazzurri shirts to which Mkhitaryan obliged. It was Thuram who started the attack down the right, absolutely out-muscling Chow to the ground and getting the initial ball in over there. In the 38th minute, um, our goal of the week took place, which gave Inter a two-goal advantage. Um, it was Thuram who cut inside past Chow for the Tira, Gira, nailed the ball, uh, right into the top corner for our goal of the week. 
you know, the halftime came up, obviously a couple of words of wisdom here and there by both managers. And in the 57th minute, Milan actually pulled one back through Leao. Giroud played Leao through very well with his back towards goal. And Leao used the space well to break through and slot in past summer. 69th minute, however, just 13 minutes later, Lautaro was allowed far too much time on the ball around Milan's area, and he spotted the run of Henrik Mkhitaryan at the far post, whose slightly deflected shot off Chow fell into Manian's bottom near corner. You'll see how in all of three of Inter's goals so far, Chow's name was mentioned. Um, in the 79th minute, Theo Hernandez gave away, the pe- gave away a penalty as he looked to volley the ball to safety with a vicious swipe, but arrived second to Lautaro, landing his kick on the Argentine and a definite penalty over there. Milan's best friend stepped up, Hakan Chalanoglu, and went straight down the middle as Manian dove left. 4-1 to Inter, uh, 93rd minute, and Fratesi, just drops salts in the wounds, makes it five. Mkhitaryan exposed a ridiculous gap in Milan's defence and played a through ball to Frattesi, who slid in and beat Manian. Two goals for Italy and one in the derby, all in the space of a week. His life must be almost as sweet as Providel's right now. Even even better than that, to top it all off, he made the cover out of Serie A spotlight. Oh yeah, he did. Of course he did. Yeah. Of course he did. And he got, you know, painted, uh, crafted. I would like to say, by, by one of the finest artists known to man, Jake exactly. Fennec. Yes, that's me. Congratulations, bro. There's a thousand questions I can ask you about this game, but just give me your take. As Drake would say, I mean, where the fuck should I really even start? I, I got hosed, sorry. Yeah, um, ah, it was bad. It was really bad. I mean, everything that we'd seen go wrong in the derby went wrong again. For Mila. Yes, for Mila. Um... Purely was asked prior to the game, um, you know, what do you make of having lost the previous four games against Inter? And he said, I don't care about the previous four games. I only care about the one in front of us. Bravo. But maybe he should care a little bit. No, I watched... I watched Bader's video on on this and Shout out Bader. I must say, incredible Bader ball on YouTube. He is so observant and passionate okay. and smart and honestly he's a pleasure to listen to um, and he's funny as well <laughs> but yeah um, he highlighted that there was plenty of evidence in the previous tapes in the previous games that this was not going to work against mm. Inter this approach absolutely. yet purely changed absolutely nothing in the approach to this game now right, granted man. you can say okay um, Tomori was injured and then his substitute Kalulu got injured so he had to play Kier okay everyone freaking out oh, how is Kier going to cope with all that pace of Thuram how's he going to cope with this and that and that now I don't feel safe turns out it was the golden boy Malik Chow who was at the centre of each goal of Inter essentially yeah. pretty much there um, as was Romagnoli yeah, a few seasons exactly. back exactly and then that's what was highlighted you have Romagnoli against Lukaku getting exposed in the exact same position. You have Tomori getting exposed later on in the exact same position, all while they were being rated very highly, these players, you know? Mm. And now all of a sudden, Chao, who hasn't put a foot wrong since he debuted for Milan. And all of a sudden, he's getting absolutely destroyed. Look, and he tells me, okay, it's a mismatch. It's a mismatch, Thuram against Chao. Okay, mm-hmm. I disagree, but okay, fair enough. But are you telling me that um, Leao against Darmian isn't a mismatch? Because yeah. Leao against Darmian, I, you watch the goal of Leao, Darmian's face after Leao beats him, you can tell like, I, he can't believe they play the same sport. 
Yeah. And, uh, but the thing is, Inter set themselves up for that to be a one-off situation. Whereas with Milan, every single attack that Inter had, every time Inter gave Milan that false sense of security, stole the ball and clapped, they managed to expose the weakness. They managed to go 2v2, their strikers against the centre-backs, man for man, the same tactical error, the same imbalance in the game, and they absolutely destroyed Milan. Quite possibly their easiest fixture of the season. Oh, 100%. How is it that? Every time Milan pick up the ball to attack against Inter, they are quite literally attacking against 11 men who are defending. And when Inter decide to attack Milan, they're against two or three individuals. Mm. It, it's always the case. You see Milan going forward. You see Lautaro and Turam over there, bro. Yeah, yeah. You see them leading that shape of 10 men shifting consistently together as a figure, defending, attacking. It's just one shape constantly shifting it's ridiculous and then every time Inter attack Milan it's scattered it's all everywhere you've got Tiani Reinders I think this is the first time that we saw Milan's midfield exposed as a result of a lack of balance so Mm -hmm. to say the fact that you've got Kronich who is the balance um, apparently You've got Loftus-Cheek, who is very box-to-box, and Tiani Reinders just played in such an offensive role in this game. No fault of his own for not tracking back, I would reckon. Um, I think the tactical setup had him so close to the striker. He was nowhere when it came to defending. And then if you have one of the other midfielders tracking back, for example, or slightly out of position, you suddenly have one man and then the two centre-backs. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way the game went for the entire thing, man. It's safe to say that the 4-2-3-1 worked against Inter before because you have Kessie, mm. who used to do the work of two midfielders, of two men. The work Absolutely. of two men, Kessie did. Now you can tell me, right, whatever, Milan have moved on, they've upgraded in the department, whatever, but you can't take away Upgraded. The yeah, you can't take away the fact that Kessie, for, for the system, was absolutely perfect because you have... Okay, Theo Hernandez bombs forward and he's encouraged by Pioli and the team to bomb forward. Obviously. No, mm. obviously he's encouraged to bomb forward because he's incredible going forward. Leao, I think, Leo is allowed to track doesn't back. track back, exactly. I think if, it, if he tracks back, he's going to get fucking assaulted no, in the dressing room. But, but honestly, you have a player like Leao, he doesn't track back because why would you waste a second or, or a single... Don't waste any of that guy's energy on anything else other than trying to create goals because he's so good at it. Fair enough. Like, but there's a hole. There's a massive hole. Yeah. There's a massive hole in that left back position where Thuram. And, and Reinders is on the left as well. Exactly. Reinders is pushing up. He can't defend. Okay. You have this is how Bidair put it. He said, You have uh you have Kessie who's a great defender. Okay. You have Tonali who's a good defender. And then you have Reinders, who, for all his qualities, he's, a, he's been brilliant so far since joining. But he's not a particularly good defender. Not so and that he's not a good defender, that he, he, he doesn't defend. It, he doesn't defend. He must be instructed Yeah, and to defend. There are many factors, bro. I, I can rant if you want. Uh-huh. No, I mean, I mean look, we, I, I think we've established the, the weak points that Milan had in this game. I think one that also should be mentioned is if um, purely, if, if, if something isn't working, change it, change yes. it quickly. We've, we've learned that from all four fixtures against Inter last season, including two devastating losses in the Champions League semifinals. We see Giroud being played 
for the entirety of the match and, and it's the same system that isn't working, the same long balls to him to flick down, so on and so forth. And they simply weren't working in this match. Not to say that they never work because they do work. Mm-hmm. It's not working in this match. We have a plan B, we have a very different striker. We've got what Milan have got uh, no alcohol for mm-hmm. who they can bring on. But that's enough about what was particularly wrong about Milan. I do I do have two more points. Huh? Oh, go, <laughs> go for it, please. So first of all, your Giroud point, totally agreed 100%. Love Giroud to bits, one of my favorite players, bought his kit last season. He, I, I will remember him fondly and I will speak yes. to my children and grandchildren. And he can, sti- he can still, he can still do it and he's still a, yes. a perfect striker for Milan's system. Yes. The problem is you can't have a top European team a team that made the semi-final of the Champions League last season and won their domestic league the season before. You can't have their strongest 11 featuring a 37-year-old striker up front. It's not you even can't. the fact that he's 37. It's it's, it's, it's the fact that he's, he's 37 and, and he's uncontested and he's being played twice, three times a season. And fuck me, dog. Because we've had... A week. As, as, as in a week, we've had... A summer as Milan fans saying, finally, bro, every hole is getting filled in and it's being sorted. Match day four, bro. Match day four. And and we're like, where was that striker signing, man? <laughs> Match okay, day hey, four. I'm, I'm very surprised because they were super efficient. The management was super efficient when it came to recruitment. They recruited everyone really early. And then suddenly on the last day, it's like, they remember that? Yes, no, Aquafor mm. isn't the striker we wanted. We want a different profile. So they pushed for Taremi. Everyone, Milan were close to getting Taremi. Everyone was hyped. Taremi would have been fantastic. Don't get me mm. wrong. All of a sudden, they're panic buying Jovic. You know, granted, Jovic isn't terrible. Okay, I'm not a big fan, but he's not terrible. Um, but he didn't have a preseason with no. Milan. He, he joined on the last day, deadline day. Mm-hmm. So he's not really the striker. So Milan are in the situation now where they're playing at the RB and they're playing in the Champions League four days later. <coughs> Madonna. Nil-nil draw against Newcastle. Yeah, nil-nil draw against Newcastle. And they're playing their 37-year-old striker for 90 minutes. 90 minutes each game. I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand it. Um, and also Calabria joining the midfield is effective it's nice it's modern it's good to watch but don't do it against the best counter-attacking team in no oh, like like with, with Di Marco on his side like yeah, obviously are you, mad? are you mad is this Inter in their final fucking form bro they, they they're so 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 ridiculously strong now I don't know if it's just because they've got Milan's number but they, the, the way they move as a team is so incredibly unique with their formation, with the 3-5-2, the way they shift and transition and the way they counter and the way they just constantly have these different triangles placed around the pitch. And you've got this one-touch passing, really fluid players in the midfield, really just these tireless workhorses with great output on the, down, down the flanks. You've got two... Bastoni becoming a three-quartista. It's crazy. What is this? It... My God, man, my God, I would hate to be second best to these guys. Because what what can you do to stop them when they're having a game like that, man? And they'll make you think you're dominating. They make oh, you think they'll you have a good game. Yes. You. You'll be like, this is going well. We've had the ball. They've not really been doing much. Suddenly you're dispossessed. They're and, like- they're, and, and they're behind you. They're behind you and they're in and they've scored. And... and they score their chances. They're so efficient. They're so efficient. For, what was it? The fourth minute they scored. Bro, the first there, one? there was the, minute. The, one of the the strangest, the, one of the most infuriating goals I've ever seen. Um, it was when Manyan, God fucking bless him, held on to the ball for a long, 
long, long, long, long, long time. For a long time. He went to ping it upfield. It went straight to an inter player. And they countered and scored directly yes. from it. So it's like, it's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. The fact that you can't give these guys... You can't let them smell blood. They're constantly circling you like sharks. Like, sure, you can have the ball, pass it around. Mm -hmm. It's okay. We've got you contained right now. You're in a box. You could play the ball around in that box all you want. The second you leave that box, you're fucked. So I think we're seeing Inter in... This this was, just to say it, um, as I put it, when I predicted Milan to win the league, whatever, um, preseason... I said Milan will be off to a slow start. They're a brand new team. They are a brand new team. Um, I don't blame the players for this performance. I think they will get better as the season progresses. Right now, what worries me about Milan is that Pioli just doesn't seem to have an idea of how to tackle this this inter team. Um, which is which is concerning considering he's been there for four years we can't put the blame on the players over here and what about the mental w's that inter got with the thoram goal the fratesi goal and the hakan goal honestly man life is full of these deep plots like in case you guys don't know thoram incredibly close to joining milan in summer rejected psg to go to milan it just wasn't for the rossoneri it was for the nerazzurri and and he he did that on the last day um well on the last day of the saga rather fratesi was also in talks with milan ended up going to uh, inter also and hakan former milan player obviously scores a penalty does a knee slide the entire stadium starts singing hakan's song hakan starts crying my God, I, I liked him better when he was the villain, but now it seems mm-hmm. like he's a bit of a hero, so... Yes, and you have Atrebi and Darmian who were in, in Milan's youth product as well, youth um, setup. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 just, it just gets worse and worse for Milan fans, right? But yeah, um, congratulations to Inter. They are fucking good. Um, They're insane. They're not insane. devastating for Milan. At the end of the day, a one loss would have been the same thing. No? Yes, but like, it's devastating. It is devastating. Where, where if you think of sure. morale yes. and you think of the worlds apart that the teams are in. But right if now. they're mentally strong, the setback is three points. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I'm and just, the season I'm just... is long. Match day four. You got fucked against Inter. Use that as fuel. Use that yes. as fuel to push you on. And to maybe get a nil nil against Newcastle heel. in the Sun Zero, yeah, and you're maybe, dominating, and they're playing like shit. Maybe not to go for a back heel in front oh, of the goalkeeper when you yeah. can shoot. Mila should yeah. have beat Newcastle three nil. Yeah, Newcastle so. were rubbish, but I'm just going to do a, a bit of a Milan thing over here. But that's here a taste say. of your own medicine and your catenaccio, you know. Yeah, I guess that was my yeah, English accent. Yeah, that was, that, that was really good, bro. Thanks, um, I'm just going to do this one thing. Go die, ragazzi, die, ragazzi. Just <laughs> fucking recover. Jesus, come on, we can do it. But anyways, on to the next game, brother. All yours. <laughs> All right, Mela. The next game Mela. we're covering is another Mela. banger. Mela does. We don't. When we say Mela, we don't mean apple in Italian. We mean so, so in Maltese. Mela. No. <clears throat> Juventus three, Lazio one. 
Lazio's wildly inconsistent start to the season continues as they manage to beat the defending champions Napoli pretty convincingly, only to lose to Lecce, Genoa and now, perhaps less surprisingly, Juventus. Juve, on the other hand, have only dropped points in their draw against Bologna and have looked different. They press high and they are aggressive. They want the ball and this is something that we're not used to seeing. What can be the cause of this before we get into the lineups and the play-by-play? Have you ever heard of Manianelli? Or rather, do you remember Manianelli? I remember Manianelli. Was he not a, a defender that had been at the same club for a very a midfielder. long time? Midfielder. A midfielder with Sassuolo for a very long time. Oh, there you go. He worked under De Zerbi. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, he's he's basically the, the, the mastermind behind this new Juventus, is what they're saying. Because mm-hmm. he took on a job, a coaching role at Juve. And now Juve are playing a bit more of a modern brand and they're hailing this, this genius in Manianelli. Like mm-hmm. Manianelli, the, the genius, the, the philosopher. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The guy who's the basically oracle. the oracle, yes. The guy who's leading Juve to the new world of football. Now, Juve lined up with the 3-5-2 formation. Allegri's men. Um, Chesney was in goal. Danilo, Bremer and Gatti were at the back. Kostic was out on the left while McKenney was out on the right. Weird, but he did very well. Yeah. Rabiot, Locatelli and Miretti were in the middle with Vlaovic and Chiesa partnering up top for Lazio. It was Sarri's 4-3-3 formation. He wouldn't have it any other way. Mm-hmm. It's Mar- Marlboro gold and 4-3-3 for <laughs> Sarri. Just the filter nowadays. He's just chewing on the filter. Smoke, right? So just to chew a filter, like a pacifier. He's essentially a a grown baby. Literally, man. Yeah, it's an oral fixation. (laughs) It has to be. Provedel was in goal for Lazio, the goal scorer of last night. Mm -hmm. Marusic was the right back. Hisai was the left back. Romagnoli and Chasali were the centre backs. The midfield three were Kamada, Cataldi, and Luis Alberto, with Felipe Anderson on the right, Zaccagni on the left, and Immobile up front. Now give me a second while I just try to figure out how Evernote works. And <laughs> all right, it all started in the 10th minute. Locatelli crossed the ball to Vlaovic, who finished devastatingly on the volley. McKenney had barely kept the ball over the line in the build-up to this goal, and there was some controversy that was filled up with the ball had crossed the line, but it hadn't. They have the technology for this in Italy. McKenney kept it in. His hard work paid off, essentially, and Vlaovic with an expert finish. Nice to see the vintage Fiorentina Vlaovic back over here. Yeah, the, all, all the um, anti-Juve... Twitter heads, just on social media, saying this is so clearly off the line and just mm-hmm. showing the photo with like an incorrect <laughs> angle. Yeah, Come yeah, on, yeah. guys, have some shame about your ball <laughs> knowledge. Like, you know damn well that that's not the angle. <laughs> the 26th minute, Rabiot took a touch on a ball that came his way, but just before he could tee himself up for a shot, Chiesa came out of nowhere and smacked it out of his... Um, I thought I was going to say the palm of his hands, but should I say the soles of his feet? Yeah. He smacked it out of the soles of his feet and rocketed the ball into the back of the net. Fantastic goal for Chiesa over there, who truly seems to be back. Yes, man. Yes. Yes. Early on in the first half, Provedel made a great save on Rabiot's header following a corner. Now Provedel's name is saying Provedel makes me smile. Hey, man. Hey. Oh, man. The scenes. 64th minute. Vintage Luis Alberto curler alert. (laughs) <laughs> this right foot from outside the area what a goal um, it shocked everyone everyone thought that Lazio were back in it um, Lazio's uh, Luis Alberto rather is just a level above the rest when it comes to this Lazio team when it comes to 
most of the players around him most of the time, to be honest. He's so yeah. intelligent and his technique is so good that it backs it up properly. Yeah. Have you ever asked, what was the Luis Alberto goal like? Yeah. The asking a dumb question. Yeah. It was magnificent. <laughs> it was a tira gira into the far corner. Or a back heel, right? Yeah. There's nothing in between. In the 67th minute, McKenny, the best fullback in the world, played a mental ball to Vlaovic, like crossfield pass, crazy. Vlaovic took a touch, controlled it casually, like it was nothing with his chest. After he took it down to his chest, took another shot and rifled it past three players into the back of the net. Duzan, baby. Duzan. What a, what a good, good game for Vlaovic. Yes. At the end of the game, Wea had a, an empty net. The goalkeeper was quite close, to be honest, but he did sky it. So he essentially missed an empty net. Mm. So I have to mention it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, bro, thoughts? I think, firstly, great reaction from Juve following a couple of legalities that have gone on once again surrounding their club. Yeah, do, do elaborate for those who don't know. I mean, apparently Bonucci is suing. Mm. Um, apparently Cristiano Ronaldo is suing for some kind of, well, they, they owe Cristiano Ronaldo a sum that I believe is up to 19 million yes, euros. Yes, uh, an amount that hadn't been paid while he was there basically during COVID or something. Mm-hmm. And then Bonucci, I don't know, to be honest, I just think Bonucci is a bit of a baby. Character, no, defamation, I believe, or yeah, basically character assassination, but he did that to himself, no? Oh, this is Bonucci. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he joined Bonucci. Milan and celebrated under their curva with a signature celebration in their stadium. Like, you're going to sue the club, bro. Do you, you have, do you have no shame? <laughs> My God. Um, but I think good reaction by them. It's, it's all noise. So it's good to see that the 11 players are focused on actually playing the game. Um, I don't think Lazio were bad, but they just don't turn me on, man. There isn't that... The, the, there isn't that spark about them yet this season. They they don't quite have that guy that's going to finish off their chances. That yeah, is typically... Providel. Chiro Mobile. Like now, like Jake's saying, it's probably going to be Providel. <laughs> um, Juve, on the other hand, showing us that they are still one of the strongest teams um, in Serie A this season. Don't get it twisted just because they did drop two points to, to Bologna at some point. Um they're devastating. They're very offensive. They had a 2-0 goal advantage in the 25th minute. So that does change everything. And then Alberto gets one back and then they get the they get the third and they get the job done. Juve were in control throughout. I don't think Lazio gave them too much to worry about except for maybe hanging on the ball for a bit too long. Yeah. Um, yeah, safe to say in the words of Antonio Conte for Lazio. The situation went to become worst. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. it. That, that's that, that it. sums it up perfectly, I believe. It did. Worst, yeah. worst. Worst. You know, Lazio had two thirds of the possession, but lost 3 um, 1. Mm. Seems to be a theme this week, by the way. Um, yeah. You know, this Milan's exact same situation. You've had more shots than than Lazio, 17 to 16, actually. So wow. they are a tough nut to crack with their all Brazilian defense. No, you've. Mm. <laughs> um, wow, why? All Brazilian defense. All Brazilian, yeah. totally. There's Gatti, but yeah. then, you know, Danilo and Alexandro and all those bros. And Bremer, actually, not Alexandro. Bremer. Mm. This time out, at least. But they yeah. have the potential to play an all Brazilian defense, which would be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, a lot of skill moves at the back. <laughs> so, bro, um, Juve's XG in the first 30 minutes, mm. 0.44. Juve's goals in, in the first how many minutes? 30 minutes Sorry did I I said 3 
No, no, you said first 30. Uh, in the first 30 minutes, it, it was 0.44 goals, right? But they were 2-0 up. That's just, that's just what Clinical. you get, right? That's what you get when you've got strikers like Vlaovic and Chiesa, man. Yeah, Simple as that. Literally, bro. Um, the Allianz Arena is back. It feels like it's been a while since we saw... We saw it full, full of passionate fans, mm. encouraging fans, pushing. But it always seems like amidst the chaos, when you were slapped with controversy, they rise above it all and they unite. Now, mm. the only time when this wasn't the case, I think we mentioned this in the last episode, was when they had their point of deduction. But that was yeah. devastating, of course. Yeah, that, that, that was the fuck out of them. Yeah. But any off-field issues that aren't that don't affect their points, at least they, they yeah. rise above it every single time. Every time. If something comes out in the news about Juve, put a bet that they're going to win their next game. Yeah. And just the the start of the game, they're all singing the trademark Juve song. Storia yeah. di grande amore, the entire stadium with their lights in the air. It's, it's enough mm-hmm. to give you chills. A uh, beautiful club Juve is obviously there, through and through with their, with their fans. It's a shame that there's so much political chaos yes. around them. <clears throat> Of course, in true Saturday fashion, the shithousery began in the second half when he brought on Nicolo Rovella and Luca Pellegrini in a double whammy. Of course. <laughs> Two former Juve players, for those who do not know. Yeah, that, that'll show them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Owned. Oh, <laughs> fucking roasted. A few stats from the game. Chiesa has been involved in seven goals in his last nine Serie A appearances. Five goals and two assists. Fucking hell. Um, it might be fun to mention that Vlaovic celebrated with um, the Luca Toni celebration. Oh, yeah, I, uh, of course. To that. Uh, Luca Toni, uh, before the game, said that he believes Vlaovic was going to be the top scorer. Vlaovic must have heard that and celebrated doing the Luca Toni celebration. Luca Toni has to be one of my favorite, one of the most gas players yeah. to ever play the game. Love the guy. Why would he pick Vlaovic, though? Why would, why would you, if you had to publicly, as a person, you know, whose opinions are listened to and commented, commented on, you know, a former striker who you have a certain amount of ball knowledge associated with you and you have to pick the top scorer of the season, you want to try to get it right, right? Yeah. So you're going to go for a team managed by Allegri? I mean, I don't think it's a crazy shout that Vlaovic should be top scorer. I don't exactly... I don't see it happening because I know there's Ossiman and I know there's Lautaro who play for more offensive teams. Um, mm-hmm. But I think all the guy is trying to say is that he's going to have a breakout season for Juve. Um, the, the, the fact that he's, he, he said he's going to be Capocannoniere is quite a stretch. Um, but I think the point that he was trying to make is in fact that he's going to have a breakout season and he's going to score a bunch of goals. Um, to be honest, it depends on what the other two do. Yeah, I mean, safe to say, love, which has already broken out hard at Fiorentina. Yeah. But yeah, um, Immobile had one shot on target all game. I'm liking this guy less and less and less with each passing game. It's, it doesn't seem like he's got it in. Yeah, when did Serie A install the fucking Italy national team version of, of Immobile? Yeah. Because that's what he's playing like, oh man. Good, man. He's playing as a player that's always one step back and everything he does is slightly reactionary. Yeah, yeah. And he seems out of touch with it. I don't know. He doesn't seem quite as sharp as he once was. It's like he's lagging a little. Is that what age looks like? Maybe. Um, Castellanos must be frothing at the fucking gash to get a... Yeah, tatty. To a, yeah, to get a moment. And I mean, at this point, he might even displace him. 
Bro just said frothing at the gash on Syria spotlight. Yes, sir. That that you, you do know what that means, right? Of course, bro. Foaming at the bit, no? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I I do believe it's the woman's it's part. In, yeah, that in between. Is, no, uh, frothing at the gash. At the gash. One creme de menthe. This is eighteen plus. So it is. It is. Around eighteen. Turn this off. Exactly. Okay, um, you mentioned before that Fratesi, the game against Italy, must have hyped them up. Yep. Locatelli, the game for Italy must have hyped them up as well because he had a fantastic game over here. Ah, yeah, he did have yes, a good game. Yes, he was great against Ukraine Mid- midweek. He was great against Lazio this game, okay? He played a, a great game. Good to see Manuel Locatelli playing well. Yeah, and and, and I've seen, um, I actually read this on one of the Juve fan blogs after the draw to Bologna. I believe I was covering that game. Um they said, you know what you're going to get with Locatelli. He's not quite who we want, uh, but he gets the job done. That's it. That's it. That, 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 that is it. I, I find it a bit harsh because, like, I'm, I'm sorry, but when, when he played for Italy in the last Euros, before he was replaced by Verratti, because Verratti was initially out injured, he did a spectacular job, Locatelli. When he plays for Juve... He does a good job. I don't think he's flashy and I don't think he's incredibly marketable. And I think that's why he doesn't get praised for just being a solid regista yes. for this team. And uh, I feel like Deserbi really knew how to bring out the best in him. Yeah. I feel like Allegri isn't quite bringing out the best of Locatelli. But anyway, three defeats and one win for Lazio this season. A mixed bag. Um, do you anticipate they'll be turning it around shortly? I, I think so. I think um, their only victory this season, which was against Napoli, which is yes. fucking hilarious. I think it says more about Napoli than does Lazio, to be, yes. to be honest. I don't think Lazio did anything spectacular in that game. I think they had a spectacular spell um, and they were lucky that Napoli were so wasteful in the first half and that Rudy Garcia made the wrong changes in the second half. Um, so I don't think it's been mixed. I think it's been bad. For Lazio thus far, the results would say otherwise, but just performance-wise, um, I do anticipate that they'll turn it around. It's a four-three-three formation on their salary. They've got they. They'll the, the, be the, fine. the the thing is, they'll they'll be fine. They'll definitely get top seven. You know what I mean? <laughs> they might not get top four. Um, because at the end of the day, Jake, this fucking they they obviously lost SMS, which we've been discussing yeah. for the entire four episodes. But have they lost three raw as well, man? Have they lost their two giants? That's that a, is what could give point. make a, a devastating season. Because if that's the case, they're competing with Fiorentina. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and that's probably the case. If judging by how Fiorentina have also been a mixed bag, they've actually been better. Yeah. Than Lazio, but anyway, um, the one bright spark for Lazio, apart from Provedel, <laughs> um, who, by the way, uh, sorry to go off on Provedel again. But the commentary pieces in different languages was French, Arabic, English, Italian. You get to hear Provedel with different, different yeah. pronunciations. It was very cool. Yeah. Which was your favorite one? Did you like Provedel? I, I quite liked the French. French one. commentary is lit. That's why it. was Bro going so? I mean, like, I know why Bro was going yeah, wild. The but it's it, 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 Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. my. God bless the guy was watching. our neighbors. God bless our neighbors. Because <laughs> I was. I wasn't watching the game that intently because I was prepping for this episode. But it's the last four minutes. So I'm like, ah, look, yeah. scenes. So I just put my laptop down. I watched the last four minutes. 
like my life depended on it and just seeing that happen right in front of me. I I wish we had a recording of, of our reaction to that to that goal. There's there's nothing there's nothing in the world like a goalkeeper scoring a goal. There's nothing in the world I can't like imagine it, man. How he must have felt he was so gassed at the end. Hey man, he gate. fucking he didn't like. Let like, go. He he didn't let go. He was like, yeah, you know, yeah. he was just like, what? Get weird, yeah. I was totally expecting him to get weird, yeah, but he yeah. was very just like passionate about it. Yeah, I mean, he celebrated like a man called Ivan. But anyway, um, Luis Alberto, bro, we have to give him his flowers. Lots, you may not be that good, but Luis Alberto surely is a fantastic, fantastic player. And this was a special day for him because he now has directly contributed to 100 goals wow. for Lazio. 44 goals and 56 assists. <laughs> He's so fucking good, bro. He's so good. <laughs> amazing shout out uh, to, to Dean or whatever his name is the guy that, that um, for the, for our foreign listeners listening over there that's Maltese that means like holy shit how good he is essentially but the guy is talking about monster energy <laughs> and I find that so funny like the way he just says it <laughs> like he's talk, bro's talking about like a peach flavored energy I prefer the second one <laughs> Yeah, um, Milinkovic Savic left with 101 contributions. Oh, he's gonna he's gonna overtake me, Luis Alberto, un- unless he leaves. Uh, <laughs> not mention, always, uh... um, this game might have been quite dominant by Juve when it came to the scoreline, at least. But Luis Alberto did have seven key passes this game. Yeah, I, I think Luis Alberto might as well put his signature on the middle of of the Stadio Olimpico because he owns the midfield in that in that Lazio stadium. It's all it's. All his, everyone should aspire to play up to standards. If you're a young central midfielder that's got a bit of a, a sweet foot, an eye for a goal and a good pass, watch those Alberto highlights, definitely. Uh, yeah. His yeah, movement, his movement is what you should keep an eye on. Yeah, and his attitude is what you should ignore. Exactly. Now- um, Lazio currently sitting 15th. No, we're doing this, we're starting. I wonder when we should start. You know, there are 12 points in first place. Nah, yeah, but man, we at least need to be in the 20s, you know? Right, I, I know, I know what you mean. It's a bit ridiculous, but it's fun saying Lecce, sit in fourth. Yeah, <laughs> but okay, fighting for sure. Champions League. Yeah, but Lazio at the moment are, are down in 15th. That's quite interesting mm-hmm. to, to point out. Lazio are battling relegation and Lecce are guaranteed European football. <laughs> it's great. All right, bro, you're up. The third game we're going to be covering is Genoa 2, Napoli 2. A bit of an upset. Over yeah. here, I would okay. say. Um, Napoli coming off a 2-1 loss, a home loss to Lazio, whereas Genoa coming off a 1-0 defeat to Torino. In Turin, apologies. Now, excluding the Diego Armando Maradona Stadium, the stadium where Napoli have obtained the most Serie A wins since their return to the competition in 2007-2008 is the Luigi Ferraris in Genova, where they have 18 victories, Four draws and eight losses. So a bit of a home away from home, the stadium. The part on the pay were eager to shake off their surprise defeat to Lazio, who curiously were also the side unbeat, who were also the side beaten by Alberto Gilardino's Genoa earlier this season. Politano was not fully fit after international duty, so Elmas stepped in after scoring against Malta, uh, while the hosts continued to miss Junior Messias, Haps and Voliaco. Or Voliaccio, you can correct me. Um, 
It was a 4-4-2 formation for Genoa with Martinez in goal on the back line of Martin, Dragusin, Bani and Winter. The Winter, rather. Um, Friendrup and Sabelli out on the wings with Badel and Strutman in the middle. Goodmanson and Retegui up front. 4-3-3 for Napoli. Meret in goal, back line of Di Lorenzo, Ostegard, Juan Jesus and Mario Rui. Anguissa, Lobotka and Zielinski were in the midfield with Elmas on the right, Kvara on the left and Osimhen up front. 20 seconds into the game, Elmas got a yellow card. 20 seconds into the game. What was bro thinking about when that whistle was blown? He must have been. He had to be angry about it. It's like that minute of silence was way too long. It was more than a minute. I had just one of my fantas, bro. I had just picked up Elmas for one credit during the repair auction. And I was so happy about it. I was like, you fools, you forgot about Elmas. Like this guy definitely scores like he does well for for Napoli. Comes on, he's the ultimate wild card, the ultimate jolly. Bro, it was like 20 seconds in. He totally missed the man, got the ball. Uh, Crazy got, foul. Totally missed the ball, got the man, terrible foul. Crazy. Now, to get a yellow card so early on, it must have been a terrible foul because usually referees are quite lenient early on. Mm. But, <laughs> but yeah, totally finished the game with a 4.54. Yeah, that was a point. Alan Shearer and uh, Gary Lineker actually brought up they 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 would always tell referees before the match don't let them get don't let them get a free hit mm-hmm. because in the opening minute yeah. they clatter them and they don't even get a yellow yeah, they just yeah. get a warning like don't give them a free hit like like watch them they're going to take me out within the first minute of the game and they always take them out elmas every time you don't have that that green card you don't get away with it yeah, so um, you have a yellow card yeah exactly well put Napoli were struggling in this game, particularly when it came to building the ball out from the back. Um, But in the 40th minute, they conceded the first goal of the match as Bani opened the scoring for Genoa. It was Goodmanson's corner to the first post that was flicked on by the winter and converted by Bani with somewhat of a flying or rather collapsing header. Mm. Um, Genoa went into the break with the lead and they came out and made it two in the 56th minute. This time it was Jategui that scored. Merritt's punch clearance only went as far as Strutman, whose low ball into the centre of the box was finished off by Retegui with one touch. Genoa, 2-0 ahead, 56th minute, crazy stuff. Couple of changes carried out by Napoli. Unlike the last match where the changes weakened them, this time it made them stronger. It was the substitute combination of Cayuste and Raspadori. Um, that gave them one goal back in the 76th minute. The Italian received the ball towards the corner of the box uh, by Cayuste. He took a touch and pelted the ball into the top corner of the near post. Absolute bullet strike. Definitely a contender for goal of the week. A couple of minutes later, in the 84th minute, uh, Zielinski played a great ball over the Genoa defence and Politano was the one who volleyed the ball expertly into the top corner of the near post. Another substitute that got a goal for them over there, as it was obviously Elmas that started the game. Um, good reaction by Napoli to get back in the game. It's good to see Garcia's substitutes actually working after the Lazio game, but... Nonetheless, it's a disappointing result for for Napoli. Of course, and they're going to be asking questions as to what the hell went wrong, why they were 2-0 down against a newly promoted side, right? And they Mm. were pleased to get a draw at the end of it. Um, Funny story about this game is in the 75th minute, I decided to send a message to Lala Anterna. 
However, I do think that Genoa have a lot to be encouraged by, obviously, from this game. I think they did a great job. Ossiman was double teamed. I didn't get a sniff. It was Bani and Dragosin that had him for the entirety of the match. I think uh, the winter, who assisted the opening goal, hardly made a misstep in defense. He had a brilliant game. He was tasked with marking Vara, um, who he kept him off the score sheet once again, and also with the support of Sabelli and Strutman, and they really managed to section him out of the game. Um, so a good defensive performance as well. Now, with Napoli's front six seemingly not on the same page, because that is one thing we're seeing with Napoli, the fluidity is what's lacking when they are attacking. It seems like they're less familiar with each other than they were Last season, last season they could pass the ball to each other with a blindfold on. This season they couldn't do it with 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 their glasses on. I, I think that's because they're looking to attack through different avenues because of Rudy Garcia's philosophy. And this is how a manager can totally take a team to another level or limit them entirely. Mm. So you look at Spalletti; he managed to find a formula to to play Labotka as the central piece to his project. Playing Ozyman in behind from anywhere in the pitch, playing sideways, taking your time, waiting for space to open up and then attacking, right? Garcia is way more direct. Garcia focuses on full back play a lot, a lot, a lot. So you hardly ever see like Lobotka holding the ball in the middle and being the metronome and dictating play as we used to. And I feel like that was a massive part of Napoli's game and that made them one of the strongest teams in the league. And yeah, um, I think Rudy Garcia might want to think about how strictly he wants to stick to his system. Yeah, um, well put. I think it's important to try out different things when you're a new manager, just to be obviously clear with that. Um, but while he's figuring it out, some people are going to take advantage. And Genoa took advantage over here, I feel like. Um, when Napoli did seem like they weren't on the same page, Genoa consistently played out of the back and into midfield um, where there was tons of space to exploit. So this really didn't seem like they were keeping their shape. It didn't seem like they were like Inter where you clearly have that one person that's that's pressing, the one person that's tracking back. And, and I feel like them just not being on the same page really allowed Genoa that freedom to play the kind of football they want to be playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we've seen like Frosinone play the football they've, they, they want to play against Napoli as well. So it seems like Napoli are really allowing their opponents to be the best version of themselves against Napoli. It's not to say that Napoli won't get away with the victory, but it seems like it's like, here's the stage. You can dance on it all you want. And I'm going to sit back and I'm going to clap for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, totally. It's they—they they are letting other teams play because they're—they're they're not 
about dominating games as much anymore, right? Mm. And that allows, yes, any team to to play against them. And we're finding out now that if you press them high, you can cause some serious problems. Yeah, exactly. And in, in, in fact, Genoa's press in the first half was very, very effective. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like when they were when they were pressing Napoli, Napoli ended up, you know how last season we made the comment that Ping the ball up to Victor Ozyman, wherever it is, he's going to get to it. Mm-hmm. They believe that too much yeah, yeah, um, yeah, in this game. Because every time Genoa were pressing them, they were launching it up to Ozyman. Yeah. Just launching it, launching it, launching it. Which is such a difference from how they were last season, eh? Building yeah. the ball up through Lobotka, playing the early pass to Gvara, taking on a man, squaring it to Zielinski, and seeing all that wonderful play. But they're finding their feet. Yes, and, and in in reality... It it is true that they only lost one player in the in the market, right in the last transfer market transfer window. Kim, Kim, for those listening. Yeah, um, they replaced them with Nathan, who we haven't really seen yet. So mm-hmm. they're lining up with Rahmani and Juan Jesus, or in this case, Ost- Ostegard, Ostegard yeah. and Juan Jesus. And if you look at the two goals they conceded, the first goal was a corner. Was from a mm-hmm. corner where you need uh, the big bodies, uh, a formidable figure like Kim yeah. would have been totally appreciated in there because man was a gorilla in the <laughs> box. He would, he would overpower any attack. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and the other goal, I don't even know what the hell happened. It was like quick ball to retake. We defender on the floor. And oh, he it was like, um, yeah. quite uh, Napoli were all over the place. To yeah, be honest, like Merit the punched the ball out. It fell. It fell straight to. Um, some Genoa player, I can't remember who, but Matt, you've got it written down, brother, mm-hmm. to Strutman, um, mm-hmm. who just needed a, a simple pass to Reteguit to, to slot in well. Yeah, turned off. Everyone was turned off, and Ostegard was on the floor as well during it. So Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Napoli don't have it easy this season. And for the first time in a while, they're playing with a lot of pressure on their shoulders because... Last they're season, champions. you could say no one was expecting Napoli to win it. You know, they're, they're the dark horse without any pressure. The sleeper pick for the Scudetto, the ones that can do it quietly with all the support in the world with zero expectations. There are definitely expectations now. The fans have had a taste of silverware and they're not, they're going to be vocal if they don't like what they see now. Yeah, no, I, I agreed in full. I just want to make two more points before we move on. Mm-hmm. I am conscious of time. Um, already just just one hour in <laughs> because we've only covered three games. Oh my god! In in one hour, which is hilarious. Um, but the two points I want to make is number one, Albert Goodmanson, more like Albert Bestmanson. Like this is <laughs> so, bro. I had a prem head over of my best friends Jamie Dent. Shout out Jamie Dent. Prem head doesn't care too much about Serie A. He'll watch a good he'll watch a game when it's on, you know what I mean? And he was over, we had Genoa and Napoli on. And he's the kind of guy that he'll, he'll watch Genoa and make sure he shits on them loads so mm. that we understand that Burnley are better yeah. or something like that. He's one of those. But he was impressed by Genoa. Well, every time Albert Goodmanson did something, he was like, bro! Bro, this yeah. guy is fu- Whoa! He was really, really impressed really by by good. Every time Goodmanson touches the ball, he does something that, that, that looks really easy to do, but it's really difficult. Yeah. It takes a lot of skill and technique. That's what Lala Interna mentioned. Actually, I praised him in the chat, and 
they said he won MVP last season. You can understand. Like, He's on another level. Oh, Albert Goodman. He's so, so... <laughs> He's so, so technically gifted. So technically gifted. He's insane. Now I just want to highlight the Garcia substitutions really quick to give you guys a clear idea of, of what went on. Uh, at the start of the second half, Garcia replaced Elmas with Politano, who immediately improved Napoli's attack and scored a stunning volley to equalize in the match. Garcia made his second set of changes in the 58th minute. Um, he introduced Matias Oliveira to replace Mario Rui, who couldn't seem to complete a single pass mm-hmm. um, in his first start of the season. At the same time, Raspadori replaced Anguissa, facilitating a switch to the 4-2-3-1 formation. Raspadori also improved Napoli's attack, scoring the Azzurri's first with a powerful left-footed strike into the top corner. Jens Kajust assisted Raspadori on the goal. The Swede replaced Stanislav Lobotka in the 74th minute. Kajusta was also involved in the build-up to Politano's goal. So last week, we criticized Garcia uh, for his substitutions. This week, I take my hat off to Garcia for his substitutions. Well done, Garcia. Um, also failed, failed. Also, <laughs> also, also failed. Also safe um, to mention that um, Gvaratskelia has had the worst free kick of the season so far. Oh 30, 33 God. minutes into the game, and he fucking skied it. I don't know if you saw that meme. There was a meme going around of a player who had a terrible miss. And they were enlarged. Oh, the of course. I, I, I saw it on the toilet today. 200%. Bro. 300%. 300% exactly. 325%. I think it went in. Uh-huh. Um, same thing. You could do that with Guevara's free kick. I think you'd have to get it up to like 450%. You'd need, you, yeah. you need a circular goalpost <laughs> for that to go in, man. It didn't, it it didn't even head north, like, yeah. or wherever the hell it needs to head. Guevara, bro, he hasn't scored in 27 games. You actually have a question for Mentoff. I was wondering if we should discuss it or save it for the question. No, to, be, to be honest, that's why I didn't, I didn't yeah. bring up Guevara. I'm, I'm, I'm aware of the question. However, like... We might want to. Let's do it now. Why not? Um, Luke Mintoff, our friend and host at times in, in emergencies, he's kind enough to do that, um, basically has a hot take that Guevara Donna is a one-season wonder. And I think it is too harsh and too soon to say, but I view it in this way, right? Okay, he hasn't scored in 27 goals. He started scoring, I think, match day one last season. Of course, they had the first game um, against Verona. Yeah, Gvaratskelia for me, in the first season, it was the rare situation where the league had to adapt to the new player, right? Yeah. That doesn't happen often. But the player was so good and so unique that he came in. He tore everything apart. It was totally abnormal the way he played football, the way he took the ball on the wing. No one knew what he was going to do. Close call, ball control, the coaching courage, the freedom, you know, it was something not very common in say yeah. only the elite players like Leao yeah. who can do that. And, yeah, so. yeah. Now in his second season, people are starting to figure him out. All right, we know this guy is very good. We'll double team him. It's kind of the same thing Leao went to, mm. through when he was getting double teamed for, at first. He needs to adapt to the league now. <laughs> and the league had to adapt to him. They did. Now he has to adapt to the league. And he needs to figure out how, what he's going to do when he's double teamed. You, uh-huh. you know, not to try something flashy every single time, play the ball around a couple of times. You know, the false sense of security is a powerful weapon. Yeah. And that can totally be utilized. Look, there, there's no way Gvaratskelia is consistently as good as he was last season. That, that, that's, that, no one's that good. Yeah. No yeah. one's as good as Gvaratskelia was last season. Um, at least consistently that good. We've seen how good he can be. 
His goal is to get back to that level now, but he hasn't scored in, like you said, 27 games. And it seems like he's putting a lot of pressure on himself to do something spectacular mm-hmm. because he effortlessly, everything he touched turned to gold last year. Now he gets the ball and the defenders approach him. He's like, okay, last season, I'd have the audacity to drop my shoulder left, fucking faint right and turn him inside out and not make him do whatever the hell I want to do with this guy. He'd toy with everyone, like even yeah. in the in the Champions League. But now it seems like he's putting a lot of pressure on himself to replicate what he was doing last season. And he lost that effortless kind of touch that he had. Mm. And the, like, there's no amount of training, there's no amount of extra work he could put in to help him get back to that level. That flow is a state of mind. That, that flow is a state of being. That flow is literal stillness on the on the football pitch, seeing everything, being in the moment, having the best judgment at the perfect yes. time. Mentally, he's not quite mm. there yet this season. He, he was linked to Saudi Arabia. He was linked to Real Madrid. He was linked to everyone and their dog for hundreds and millions of euros. The entire world are talking about him. We're talking about him. Now they're talking about him. It's always there either sucking his dick or they're shitting on him basically because that, yeah. that, that's what it is Kvaratskel has only been um, praised or shat on yeah. it's never like I was gonna, first yeah. it's who the hell is this guy from fucking nowhere and then mm-hmm. he's okay that guy from fucking nowhere is the best player in the world now it's like ah he's shit it was a that's, it was a, that's was a the media season. bro that's the media if they don't exaggerate they're not gonna get their click he's going through that totally he's going yeah. through that a wise man once said lost Petrachi's a vertugo patience <laughs> is a virtue be patient with him on his day he's genuinely one of yeah. the best players in the world and you risk man you, you, you risk the the players starting to play with fear and that's what happens to many youngsters who join a club and they start playing with this confidence and this flair and they hardly put a foot wrong and you're like, wow, we've got this crazy talent. Then the second they make a mistake, they make two mistakes, they make three and slowly, slowly they start, they stop trying to, to go for those things that they would have previously gone for. Um, perhaps that could also be a thing that's happening to Guevara, you know, for yeah. before he'd shoot from anywhere, it would be a goal. He had that mental, that mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Everything I touch turns to goal, like you said. Mm-hmm. No, probably the numbers are taking a toll. It's been a while. It's been a while since I scored. Mm-hmm. Provedel has scored, and I still haven't yeah. scored. You know, um, Salah Makers dribbled everyone at the Maradona and scored more recently than I've scored yeah. at the Maradona. <laughs> Just has to end with the Allah. It's yeah, brilliant. Of course, you're not going to cut that part out. Like today, I. Um, took a screenshot at work and the the kind of screenshot I took was the command shift four, which basically don't screenshot the entire screen. You can section a box and and screenshot it. I'm curious to see where you're going to go with this. Whatever. And typically when it comes to screenshotting an A4 paper, I'm your man. Okay. I need to screenshot an A4 PDF. Call me. All right. I'll get it done for you in... Less than a second, I go corner to corner and typically need to zoom in, make sure you're getting the perfect... No, fuck you, man. I'll get the corner instantly. I'm I'm a monster. Okay. 
And today I got it wrong. I'm like, shit, no, it's fucking either from, from one side or another. Then I tried again, I got it wrong again. I got some black in it. I'm like, shit, I'm, I've lost it. Like, And then I started going against whatever made me good at doing this. So I started saying, okay, so clearly I need to go more to the left. Then I went too much to the left. And mm-hmm. I said, okay, so clearly I had to go more to the right. And I started overanalyzing that flow that I typically have yeah, of taking yeah, the screenshot. Yeah. You started to think about it. Exactly. And that's, that's a problem, right? When you think about it too much, when you think really think about what you do. Yeah. Imagine being in a social situation and you can't stop thinking about what you're of doing. Your where to being. Put, where to put your hands, with, how you're breathing. Shoot me. Yeah, yeah, shoot yeah. me in the face. Like <laughs> whenever I fucking think about that shit in a social setting, throws me off and, yeah, yeah. and I think he, footballers are humans and I think Gvara is literally Matt not being able to take a screenshot that's it moment. bro that's I fade that he'll be back yeah. Matt and Gvara <laughs> yeah um, perhaps it might be wise to save the nil nil for the very end for the fans gone quite long now yeah maybe yeah that, that's, a, that's a good point but let's go let's go up next right yeah, another banger. Four games in. The quality. Do you think the quality is gonna get worse? You think we don't have another thirty minutes talking about one game? Fuck you. Fiorentina three, Atalanta two. My God. In a comeback. My God. Did Fiorentina just lose to Inter and then weren't Atalanta They're just yes, back? Who cares? Like, what's Nothing. Going on? Structure no. Patterns no. Logic no. Say ya. Say ya. Okay. Um, Fiorentina. Held on to grab their second win in the Serie campaign with a pulsating 3-2 victory over Atalanta. They've leapfrogged Atalanta on the table and maintained their undefeated home record at the Stadio Artemio Franchi since February. Did you know that? No. Oh, you didn't know that? Oh, you didn't know that? You didn't fucking yes. know that? So, lineups. Coach Vincenzo Italiano made six changes from La Viola's 4-0 thrashing to Inter. Okay. So they lined up with a 4-2-3-1 formation with Terra Chano on goal, Parisi as the left back, Dodo as the right back, Milinkovic and Martinez Quarta as the centre back partnership. Last week we asked, where's Quarta? This week he told us, here I am as he scored a goal. <laughs> Mandragora and Duncan were the double pivot, Brecalo was out on the left while Nico Gonzalez was out on the right and Zola was up front with Jack Bonaventura playing the free role in the Terquartista position over there. Atalanta, it was a 3-4-1-2 for Gasparini's men with Carne Secchi in goal. Nice to see him in goal for a solid team over here. Hey, Carney. A very good goalkeeper over there. Benching Musso. Benching Juan Musso. Yeah, Export Yellow did last season as well. It's special. Yeah. Toloi, Scalvini and Kolasinac were at the back with Zappa Costa out on the right and Ruggeri out on the left in those left wing back and right wing back positions. Ederson and Arun formed the midfield double pivot with Coop Miners right in front of them as De Ketelar and Lukman partnered up top. So you buy any chance in front of them as well? In front of them, in front of them. Several. <laughs> Atalanta were the better side and forced the opening chance when Davide Zappacosta fired a shot at Terracciano who managed to tip the ball over the bar. In the 20th minute, Coop Miner's long range effort took a slight deflection on its way into the back of the net. Great goal over there by Coop Miners. It's only because of the slight deflection that this wasn't in our yeah. goal of the week talks. There were so many good goals this week. In the 35th minute, this one was Bonaventura converted Nico Gonzalez's cross into a lovely volley and goal. What a goal for the timeless Jack Bonaventura. Fiorentina's 
first shot on target, a fantastic goal by the Fiorentina captain, a fantastic goal by the former Atalanta man. So you can tell why this goal is important for Bonaventura, captain and ex. Yeah, it, like it, it's such a fun game guessing who's going to score this game. Literally, we did it, I told you. Jack is Ruolo del Lex today yes, sir. when the game started. So and, and Jack's been looking so good this season. He has, he has. I think it's a new haircut. The equalizer lit up Italiano's men who drove the visitors back in the remaining minutes of the half. Um, and they kept pressing and pushing for um, another goal, but they did not get one until... The 45th minute, Fiorentina took the lead um, into the break with a beautiful cross by Alfred Duncan. Um, it was powerfully headed home by an unmarked Lucas Martinez Quarta. What an incredible header that was by Martinez Quarta. So powerful, bro. Yeah. He was quite far out for it to, to be struck with that much power with his head. Like I love those goals. I love it when a header is a bit too same, far out. Like. Yeah. What a goal, like, hey. the type that gets you off your seat. Hmm. Um, and then, basically, at the end of the first half, Karnasecki pulled off two strong saves as well. Yeah. Um, mirroring the first half, Atalanta started the second half um, on the front foot with Adamola Lukman becoming increasingly dangerous. It was no surprise in the 53rd minute when Lukman equalized for Gasperini's men. The former Everton winger drove into the penalty area and smashed a low shot past Terracciano for his first goal of the season. He scored quite a few last season, scored a handful. He's on the girls' team, on the girls' front of Yeah, by that's, the way. The Lukman. One. that's the one. That's the yeah. one, yeah. In the 76th minute, Fiorentina got their winner through substitute Christian Kwame, who hadn't scored a goal since April. <laughs> he stabbed the ball home inside the six-yard box um, after it fell to him, after a deflection. Basically, it was a square pass and a deflection. It fell to Kwame, who converted. Um, Atalanta tried and tried and tried, but Fiorentina ended the game with three points. Their first home win of the season. Mm. What do you think? Great win by Fiorentina, um, especially after they lost to Inter. I think they started the season off very strongly, um, very mm -hmm. convincing victory against Genoa in a match day one. She was a great performance in match day two as well. And then match day three, we're like, ah, maybe their opponents weren't that great after all. Match day four. It's always a battle between Fiorentina and Atalanta. I believe there was like a 4-3 last season as well mm -hmm. between them, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but to be one goal down, to get two back, and then for Atalanta to get the equalizer so early on in the in the second half, and then to manage to go back and, and get another goal through a substitute, Christian Kwame, after making six changes to your, to your starting 11, I think it's a very good sign for Fiorentina to be able to not only perform in this game in front of their fans, but to get three points against this this Atalanta side, um, who didn't look bad at all. No, Atalanta. no, not at not all. At all. Um, one thing I notice is that Atalanta look way more dominant at the start of the half. Yep. Like, it's almost like before the defense can kind of restructure and adapt to what they're going to do, they can overpower you early on mm. in a half and they, they can score. And both their goals came at the beginning of each half. Um, you know, 20 minutes in, Coop Miner scored. And then in the 53rd minute, Lukman scored. Yeah. Shortly after the 
resumption of the game. Quite literally. Yeah, so probably Fiorentina would take a while to take shape. Atalanta would be pressing and pressing and pressing and then eventually maybe it runs a bit stale and Fiorentina mm. actually hit on the on the counter and try to even have spells where they yeah. control the ball a little bit. Um, if you look at the possession, actually it's quite impressive and not that surprising to be honest but due to Atalanta's new pragmatic kind of mm. mindset at certain moments in certain games in most games nowadays. Yeah. But Fiorentina dominated the possession by quite a bit. They had 58% ball possession. So yeah. Fiorentina. Fiorentina. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and I think further to both your points, um, I think Fiorentina did a good job of remaining patient in this game and growing into the game. Um, I think it's easy to panic after you go one goal down or, or you get your, your opponents get an equalizer or something of the sort. Um, but I think Fiorentina stayed patient. They still played the way that they had to play in order to get points against Atalanta. And I think as the game progressed, they got stronger. It took them a while to make their first substitution. That was in the 63rd minute where Kwame came on for Nico and Arthur came on for Mandragora. 10 minutes later, Beltran and Biragi came on for Dodo and Nzola. And these are substitutions that strengthen a team. Yeah. Maybe man for man, you choose the starter in some of these occasions, but bringing on, that's the point I made about Pioli. Maybe you want to bring on an Okafor for Giroud to spice things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, less size, more pace, for example. And that's one thing that Fiorentina really exercise over here. Bringing on Beltran for Inzola. Bringing on Biragi on the right as an inverted wing back. And all of a sudden you've got Parisi on one side whipping the ball in Biragi, whipping the ball in to Beltran. Um, you've got Arthur coming on for Mandragora. Kwame, who we all know what he can do on, on his day. Um, nice to see Barak coming in as well, getting uh-huh, a couple of minutes in the, in the 88th minute. Um, don't forget Barak, because he's a, he's a very strong player, man. Yes, and a sad loss for Atalanta. As of they course. have lost Skamaka. Around means, a month, I believe. Yeah, at least a month. Um, muscle injury. And they also lost El Bilal Toure. Yeah, of course. Their, their new striker as well. So that leaves them with Muriel, Muriel. and Lukman only. Yeah. So it sucks to be Atalanta right now. Um, yeah. But, you know, knowing them, they'll find a random Aryan 17 year old, six foot seven striker, pop him in and sell him for 120 million now. Yeah, it's some, something like that. <laughs> something like that. But yeah, no, I don't think we should spend too much longer on this game for we have others to cover. Yes. Um, it was a very impressive comeback by Fiorentina and it was just a great game all around. It could have been anyone's game, one of those. The next game we're going to be covering wasn't such a tight affair over here as Roma absolutely demolished Empoli. Seven goals to nil. Roma were coming off a 2-1 home loss against Milan, while Empoli were coming off a 2-0 home loss uh, to Juve. Now, Roma haven't actually lost against Empoli in Serie A since February 17th of 2007. It was a 1-0 at the Castellani Stadium with a goal from Pozzi. Since then, there have been three draws and 12 wins for Roma, including the most recent eight matches, with Roma scoring at least two goals in each. Now, the Giallo Rossi um, scored just one point in three rounds, but inaugurated the new Lukaku-Dibala partnership for the first time, together with the Serie A debut of Evan Indica. Awar, Smalling and Pellegrini joined Tammy Abraham and Marash Kumbulla on the treatment table, 
Empoli at the bottom of the table have not scored any goals or points um, as Daniel Maldini and Caprile are also out of this fixture. For the lineups, it was a 3-5-2 formation for Mourinho's Roma with Rui Patricio on goal and the back line of Evan Indica, Llorente and Mancini. Spinazzola was as, was the left wing back, whilst Christensen was the right wing back. And Sanchez, Paredes and Cristante formed the midfield three with Dybala and Lukaku up front for the first time together. It was a 4-3-3 for Empoli over here with Berisha on goal on the backline of Berezinski, Valukovic, Luperto and Petzella. It was Fazzini, Grassi and Male in the midfield with Cancelleri and Cambiaghi flanking Mattia Destro. Now it only took two minutes for Roma to open the scoring uh, as Christensen's cross into the box looked easy for Valukovic to deal with but somehow he managed to control the ball with his arm giving away a penalty. The ball has stepped up and converted into the top bins. No problem whatsoever. Six minutes later, in the eighth minute, it was 2-0 for Roma, thanks to Renato Sanchez. Uh, the man who started the attack finished it. Sanchez played it wide to Christensen, who controlled and delivered a return cross to the Portuguese, who headed in. In the 18th minute, Paredes hit the post directly from a corner, and in the 35th minute, Grassi turned the ball into his own net to make it 3-0 to Roma. Um, Cristante had run into the box after a brilliant layoff by Lukaku, but before the Italian got his shot away, Berezinski attempted to hoof the ball to safety, but it deflected off Grassi, who was sliding in to tackle Cristante, and the ball ended up in the back of the net. Quite comical over yeah. there. Just four more, bro. Yeah, yeah, we can do it. In the 55th minute, actually five more, dog. Oh my um, God. In the 55th minute, Dybala made it 4 0. Cristante pulled the ball back for Dybala, who sent Luperto to Lidl with the feint and finished cleanly past Berisha. In the 58th minute, Dybala hit the crossbar uh, after a corner. In the 66th minute, Baldanzi had a crack at goal from some serious distance, but his low strike only managed to hit the post. In the 80th minute, Cristante made it 5-0. Belotti teed it up for Cristante, who found the top corner with a first-time bullet from some serious distance, one of our candidates for goal of the week. Two minutes later, Lukaku made it 6. Belotti's true ball found Lukaku, who tapped the ball in under the legs of Berisha. His first goal for Roma on his first start. And then just four minutes later, in the 86th, Mancini made it 7-0. A corner kick to the first post was flicked on by the back heel of Cristante and headed in by Mancini to seal the 7-0 victory for Roma over Empoli. Yeah. Um, wow. Jesus. Wow. Where do you even start? Jesus. Um, I'm already on your side winning 7-0. Crazy. Um, how, how bad have Empoli been this season? And it's no... It comes to no surprise to anyone that Zanetti has been sacked. Yes. They do have um, an easier run of games coming up um, in the near future uh, where they have three winnable fixtures, essentially, or three fixtures where they can get some points. Um, the question was, did they want to enter this period with Zanetti as the manager or did they want to take a punt with someone else? They have brought on Andrea Zoli. What a punt that is. Yes. Um, it's his fourth time managing Empoli um, super manager for them he's I think he led them to a 14th place finish wow. one season not bad at wow. all yeah so we'll see if they manage to pick things up because on paper this team isn't bad they shouldn't be losing 7-0 
You know, well, I mean, I don't want to read out the entire lineup, but these players have been in Serie A for a while. Yeah, they, they should have scored a goal in the yeah, opening four, four matches as well. Empoli always struggled um, to get goals. It seems like there, there's a lot of transitions, a lot of steps they need to take to get themselves in a goal-scoring opportunity. Mm-hmm. I feel like that at the start, Zanetti kind of managed to fix that for Empoli and they were a much more attacking team a much more direct team Um, however clueless is how Empoli look at the moment be it on the ball off the ball naive absolutely lackadaisical yeah and if Lots. there's one thing, if there's one thing Roma are, it's that they're structured. No drama mm. in your side. They play a three-five-two, um, absolutely structured as hell in this match. They got the first one of the season, and they've also played the best football we've seen in this young season by Roma. Um, Mourinho's midfield propelled by Renato Sanchez, this relentless running and Paredes' measured movements. They. We're passing circles around this Empoli defense and this Empoli team, stitching together some of the best football we've seen from Roma in a while. Naturally, the opponents played quite a part over there. But you throw in Lukaku's hold-up play and the Balas clever movements in the final third, and suddenly Roma look like they've got something going on over here. I'm not going to shift my perspective on Roma too much because of a battering of the worst side in the league yeah, so far the, this season. The worst thing you can do against a Mourinho side is concede early. And Valukovic in the first, as, as you mentioned, in the first minute, handled the ball in the box really extremely ri- ridiculous, naively. And ridiculously. then in the seventh minute, it was just a casual cross into the box that was met by Renato Sanchez running in two. Very naive goals conceded over there in seven minutes. And what's left for Empoli, right? I mean, after that, it was just annihilation. No, absolutely, man. Of the of the uh, annihilation of the first degree, yeah. this was. They even hit the post from a corner shortly after. Directly from yeah. a corner. Paredes. <laughs> Everyone was uh, shooting from everywhere. He knew what he was doing. Oh, mm. my days. I said the ball. I hit the post from after a corner, but he actually hit it from a free kick. Apologies. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I was in the... That's what happens when you're prepping the goal description for seven goals, no? Yeah. While trying to watch... I was trying to watch Calcio at the, same, at the same time. And I had the 5-1 as well, bro. I had goals galore. You did. I had two uh, in yeah, but but that's pretty the much Bala the goal of the week contender, by the way. Absolutely, yes, yeah. for sure, the Bala. But I help me out here, bro. I don't know where to go with the talking points of this game because it's so. Me, me and Jake have a have a joke where it's like, ah, that game's easy to cover. It's this team good, this team bad. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit of a running joke between us where we don't need to prep too hard for a game. But this is that that essentially. Look. Empoli currently stand without an identity. Their offensive brand, their lovely style of football is not working whatsoever. And they're not defensively sound whatsoever at all. Not to mention that in certain moments they show a lack of experience and a little bit of naivety. Um, You have the likes of Roma who are an extremely street smart unit. You have players like Brian Cristante and Mancini and these guys, they're smart. They know know how to get the most out of you. They know how to expose you, you know, and they did that perfectly well this game. This was a game of cold celebrations, by the way, bro. Just one cold celebration after the next. And when it comes to your point about like, you don't know how to cover this Roma good and poly bad, I mean, it's pretty much 
the situation because after the game the coach was sacked simply because Roma too good Empoli too bad um, zero goals scored zero points conce- uh, gained in four games um, it had to be done and, and I hate seeing managers get sacked early on but at this point you can't really blame the management Zanetti hasn't given them anything this season granted he's been good in previous seasons and, and I, I do rate the manager I think he's great but he does struggle to motivate his players when things don't quite go their way and this was this season has been a perfect example of that he looks absolutely lost when he's added experience to his team to be uh-huh. I mean shadows last season no um when he yeah. had to end up screaming two seasons ago actually screaming at Henri yeah. trying to get something out of him um because the, the he got striker, a red card yeah yeah he was a red calling him an idiot essentially the, absolutely they were fighting Bar-Bar-Bar. relegation and they were they were ahead in the game where they were a draw whatever yeah. um but that, that's an interesting point you bring up about Zanetti yes he was sacked and, and he should be sacked if you can't score a single goal in the opening four games and in the fourth game you're losing 7-0 to a struggling Roma team um, and not only that, but showing us absolutely nothing in those four games. The results are what the results are, but if they showed something, it could be a different story, but they showed absolutely nothing. And that leads me to the point um, about Zanetti to say he's very highly rated, especially by other managers, by mm-hmm. Serie A, by, by, by the, cult, the culture. culture. Uh, everyone raves about him, youngest manager in the league, very talented, plays a very offensive brand. I've never been wowed by his teams, bro. I really never have. I've I've never no, like like when he stayed in Serie A after Venezia got relegated. Like Venezia have a cool team, and, and to me it's but, just like the, like they they did decently, but they got relegated anyway. Maybe yeah, a better manager would have had them stay up. I was surprised to see him stay on. He really didn't catch my eye in any miraculous way. He had, with that Venezia team, he had a group of players who had never played in Serie A and had never played together. It was a newly built team. Yeah, they finished one before the last. Yeah, they finished one before the last, granted, but they did so playing quite an offensive brand and taking the game to many an opponent. Now, remember who they had at the back, Venezia. I can't remember the other one, but Caldara was one of the the centre-backs. Perhaps Ceccarini. Ceccarini could be I think think you're right I think Ceccarini I can't quite remember who the other defender was but they weren't great you know and and even the fact that if you want to survive with a newly promoted team you need to bring in players who have serial experience you know and that's what's surprising because he managed to get people who had never played in the league before to perform to a certain level granted Venezia didn't pick up many points but they scored goals and they did Mm. put in good games Mm. It's not the case with Empoli at all right now. No. He, he has all the experience in the world. I think it's like I, I expected Empoli to have a bit of a shocker this year, but but even these performances are like my. I had already set my standards quite low, and after watching them, I hadn't set them low enough, kind of thing because. For for a team that gets away with so many one-pointers and so many 1-1 one, one draws and this and that, fuck me does the team struggle to score goals, man. Yeah. Significantly. Yeah. And it almost seems like they use their budget to spice up areas that weren't spicy, right? Yeah. The wings, for example, bringing on country Larry. When maybe... Giasi as well. When maybe what they should have been doing is making sure that they have one clear-cut striker 
that can set the standard for the other strikers. Because mm-hmm. in fact, that's the idea that Zanetti, that's the, sorry, I just kicked the table. That's the area that Zanetti tried to spice things up this game. He started Destro, hasn't started the game in age. So he's lost faith in Caputo essentially, but it's not Caputo, that's the problem. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, Caputo the, the gets system. the players around him yeah, ticking. The system doesn't quite work at the moment. Um, We'll see. We'll see what Andrea Zoli can do. I, I'm confident it's going to be a better job than what Zanetti's done so far in the oh, European four games. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. And that is the, the first manager sack this season, guys. Um, just one more point. Romelu Lukaku looks like he could do some damage at Roma. It seems like he's in a system that could uh, that that could showcase his best abilities, his hold-up play, having having a player that that has great hold-up play and is good in the air and has good finishing next to Paolo Dybala is going to shine. Yes. Um, okay, he got one goal late on, but it's his first start. Um, I think the, 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 this team is quite similarly set up to maybe a bit of a stretch, but tactically quite similar to to contest 3-5-2 for Inter when it comes to the balance of players and what qualities mm-hmm. the players had. Naturally, mm-hmm. one is Even offensive, one is defensive, um, but, but yeah. And I think Lukaku was shining in that system for a reason, and I think he'll shine here for a very similar reason mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, not much else left to say. No, not at all. Game. We can move on to Frosinone, for Sassuolo 2. Yeah, Frosinone say uh, <laughs> indeed as they record their first ever victory over Sassuolo with a stunning comeback from 2-0 down to win 4-2 as captain Luca Mazzitelli got himself a rare brace against his ex-team. Mazzitelli, huh? Oh, Mazzitelli. Yes. What a performance. Now, Di Francesco for, for was... For the Renegades. For the, for the Renegades. Renegades. One credit. Di Francesco was forced to give up Harui this game, who was out due to a blow he suffered in his foot in training. So, yes, um, they were operating without their best midfielder, but it didn't seem to be a problem as they have a Juve, Loni, and Mazzitelli, former Sassuolo man. Mm. We'll see how they lined up completely. 4 4 2 for Di Francesco with Turati in goal, the ever impressive, fantastic young sensation, Turati. Amazing. Good yeah. Keeper. Yeah, very good keeper. Very Mark good Kitsa keeper. was out on the left, Oyono out on the right with Romagnoli and Monterizzi at the back. Baez was out on the left with Berenchea on loan from Juve and midfield. Mazzatelli uh, uh, partnered with him and Sule also on loan from Juve out on the right. Um, Gelli and Kedira were up front. Now, for Sassuolo, it was uh, also, according to this, a four. 4-2. Um, oddly. Oddly enough, yes, and it makes perfect sense. Let me read it out. Um, perhaps a 4-2-3-1, I would yeah, say. Yeah, maybe. 4-2-3-1 makes more sense. Cranio was in goal with Tolian, Erlich, Tresoldi and Vinya at the back with um, Boloka and Henrique as the midfield double pivot. It was Bayrami playing in the Turquoise position with Berardi out on the right, Laurienta on the left and Pinamonti up front. I nice. Think that's more accurate. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Sometimes who scored doesn't quite get it, does it? <laughs> um, Sponsor us, please. Yes. So... In the seventh minute, Pinamonti produced a fine curling finish into the bottom right corner after Vinya had played him the ball. 
penalty was off to a good start this season. And the 24th yep. minute, he struck again, an even better finish this time. This time, striking the ball on a half volley from outside the area. Perhaps that should have also been a goal of the week contender. I think every goal could have been a goal of the week contender. Bangers only, yeah. in great quantity. And just as we thought the first half was going to end with a 2 lead to Sassuola, that could have potentially changed absolutely everything. Because going into the second half, thinking we need to score two goals to get a draw and three goals to win is a lot. But suddenly... You know, going into the second half with one goal, we're back in it. We can yep. draw another goal, we can win it. Yep. Um, in the 47th minute in the first half, Frosinone were given a penalty after a VAR check deemed that Ruan Tresoldi had been, no, had fouled Walid Kedira. Uh, the on loan Napoli center forward. Tresoldi. Yep. He stepped up. Tresoldi's so aware, bro. He stepped up, the on loan Napoli man, Kedira, who was at Bari last season to take the penalty, and he sent Alessio Cranio the wrong way, giving Frosinone a much needed lifeline. And suddenly, okay, this is his first goal ever in Serie A for Frosinone. He has scored in the Coppa, but this was his first goal in Serie A. Um, for Kedira. For Kedira, yes. yes. Suddenly, they're back in it, right? It's mm-hmm. half time. The second half proved to be quite a cagey affair. Um, Sassuolo causes that, you know, they, that uh, an upset is on the horizon over here and they need to be very careful while Frosinone were looming and they were like, we can definitely get something out of this. And in the 70th minute, they built on that goal with some early pressure. They found the equalizer through a stunning volley from captain Mazzitelli who of course happened to be a former Sassuolo player, crazy celebrations, 2-2. In the 76 minutes, <laughs> six minutes later, Mazzitelli could not believe his luck as his shot ricocheted into the back of the net. Just a few minutes, after, six minutes literally after scoring literally. his first goal for, for, for Sonon and Serie and then suddenly he scores his second ever brace in his senior career. Matthias Sule on loan for Juventus almost added the fourth with five minutes of regulation time to go when his equal when his exquisite effort um, just clipped the outside of the post very close over there very very close Kadira then had a goal ruled out for offside he thought he had tapped home his second of the game but um, before that Frosinone had Sorry, he was ruled out for offside. He was in an offside mm-hmm. position. And before that, Frosinone actually struck the woodwork um, through Luca Garritano, formerly of Chievo Verona. Garritano. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. Cool player there. And then Turati turned hero late into injury time. Um, the young goalkeeper made a world-class save to deny Sassuolo an equalizer. Very, very, very Fantastic good save. Fantastic save. Very Fantastic good save. save of the week. If I have a save yeah. of the week, that's it. Before Paul Lerola, <laughs> the Paul Asian man's Lirola. nightmare, um, <laughs> wrapped up the points on the break after an unselfish pass from Kadira in the 95th minute. He spent three seasons at Sassuolo and now he's scoring against them and celebrating for Frosinone. Yeah, Not man. Wrong. Yes, um, I want to start off by talking about Piramonti, who opened uh-huh. the scoring um, and who had a great game this game, despite the lack of points for Sassuolo. Mm-hmm. He is their club record signing, 20 million from Inter. Mm. Could that prove to be worth it? I, it, it there's a lot of time, I think. Mm-hmm. As well, we've all looked at Pinamonti before Sassuolo were relying on him as their starting striker. We could all identify his talent. We could mm-hmm. all look at, at Pinamonti, especially mm-hmm. at Empoli. Um, and say, yeah, this, this this kid's got something. He's a, he's a good goal scorer. Um, he's a good target man in that sense. Good finish, good in the air, whatever. Um, but I, I think he, Pinamonti, moved to Sassuolo and embraced the fact that, okay, 
I'm going to be the starting striker for a lesser team rather than go for a better team where I can be a vice. Mm-hmm. Sure, he had his okay. opportunities to do that. Um, and if that means you're going to struggle for a season or so because you're finding your feet as a starting striker in a struggling team, that's obviously going to happen. You're obviously going to struggle. You're obviously going to look out of place. And that's what we saw in Pinamonte. Now, is this a run of good form or is it more of what we are going to be seeing from Pinamonte? Mm-hmm. That perhaps, is the question. Perhaps last season was a run of poor form. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's still early on in his career. He's only 24 years old. Nowadays, the career of a striker in particular can be quite long. Absolutely. Um, yeah, especially the type of striker. He is a target man, a fox in the box, a poacher. Um, yeah, displayed great technique this game. Where has this Pinamonte been? More of this, please. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, the next talking point we are going to be discussing is um, when it comes to dangerous attacks. We noted that it was 53 to 46 in favor of Frosinone, who also dominated in terms of possession and successful passes. Um, they, they absolutely pulled their weight this game and they played up to Sassuolo's level. And that's no easy feat because Sassuolo are quite a modern team. And getting scoring four against them and getting a victory as a newly promoted team is quite a tough task. Completely. I, I think what explains that or, or sums that up rather is we all know that Frozenone moved the ball upfield quickly, concisely, one-touch football, two-touch football. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and they're not, the ball they're, to yeah. skip the midfield. Like. They're not scared. They, they attack from many different avenues. Um, they truly are David in the David and Goliath story. But what mm-hmm. happens when they lose the ball? You've got all of those men that were attacking sprinting back like their lives depend yeah, on it. Yeah. Every single one, bro. Sprinting back, getting back in position. Yes. Put Pep City up against a team that track back with such fucking balls and with such power and they struggle against them. This isn't a joke of a team because, again, very, very fluid, very tactically disciplined and they've got a lot of balls and they've got a lot of passion. Now, what happens when teams figure them out off the ball that could be a different story because they don't have, as a newly promoted mm. team, they don't have the, the versatility, they don't have the utility, they don't have the, what's the word I'm looking for? Substitutes. No, the depth. The depth um, uh, to spice things up and, and to make them stronger. Um, but but they are looking with this starting 11 very strong man. yes, yes very totally. Strong. totally and I wanted to highlight uh, an interesting battle that was happening was between Beren Trea and Matthias Henrique okay now Matthias Henrique is particularly effective in the possession phase of the game and in that regard he's much better than Beren Trea but mm. off the ball out of the possession phase Beren Trea proved to be extremely, extremely good for Frosinone. Yeah, you look at defensive duels one, if you compare the two players, you have 24 for Berenche and 19 for Henrique. You look at total passes, okay, Henrique has more, 157 to 132. But then 
recoveries, for example, Berenshe had even more, 27 to 25. So this is the kind of player that Sassuolo lack at the moment. Um, A player who out of the possession phase can can win them the ball back, can win one-on-ones, duels, you know, a bit of bite to his game. Yeah, They don't have that. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, And they've lost two very useful midfielders in Maxime Lopez and Frattesi and they're making do now. Yep, um, Henrik and Boloka uh, isn't quite those two, I feel no, like. No, no. Um, as well, they made an acquisition last season and towards Vet, who hasn't managed to cement his place yet in, into this team. I, I do see that midfield as a point of concern. Uh, Henrik, Boloka, Bayrami, just ahead of them, especially when you consider Locatelli, Fratesi mm. in, in the past. Um, so on so forth so I think that is an area where they really need to look at and and solidify because I do feel like that that could be where they lost the game as well yeah yeah for sure so yeah that's it for me amazing the next game we're going to be covering is Monza 1 Lecce 1 Monza were coming off a 3-0 loss to Atalanta whilst Lecce were coming off a 2-0 win to Salernitana after remaining undefeated in seven league matches in Serie B against Lecce, where they won two and drew five, Monza have lost three of their last four games against them across Serie A and Serie B, where they drew one. Di Gregorio and Ambrosio were injured for this match, so new signing Lorenzo Colombo made his Monza debut against his old club. When it comes to the lineups, it was a 3-4-2-1 formation for um, Monza. It was Sorrentino in goal, getting his debut because of Di Gregorio's injury. And the back line of Calderola, Amari and Itzo, with Churi out on the left, Birindelli out on the right, and a double pivot of Gagliardini and Pessina, Caprari and Colpani flanking Lorenzo Colombo. Not to be mixed up, by the way, the Sorrentino with the former one of Kiev, who was like yes, a years super old, old guy, like 40 it was like 45 yeah. or some shit and still yeah. playing with white hair like I remember the opening game against Cristiano Ronaldo he had a fantastic he, didn't, he saved his penalty he saved his penalty that's it that's it yes it was a 4-3-3 for Lecce with one of my favorite goalkeepers in the league, Falcone, in goal and the backline of Jean-Dre, Pongracic, Baschirotto and Gallo. They had Kaba, Ramadani and Rafia in the midfield with Ankvist and Banda flanking Kristovic. In the third minute, a clumsy pass by Sorrentino, who seemed quite nervous. Um, it was far too short for Calderola, who ended up dropping Ankvist to stop him from a clear goal-scoring opportunity. Um, from the spot, Kristovic placed the ball into the top corner, sending Sorrentino the wrong way. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but if that happens any time in the second half, it's a red card yeah. for Calderola. Yeah, that was a bit sus, wasn't it? You're fucking joking, like, bro. Now, sure, it was only 40 seconds in when the foul was made. But, yeah, th- think of this, guys, if you didn't watch this. Goalkeeper out of position gives a short pass. The ball is in the middle of the box, just begging to be tapped in. Ankvist goes to tap it in. Empty net. And Calderola brings him down, through no fault of his own, naturally. Isn't that the denial of a clear goal-scoring opportunity where I could have scored me? Yes, yes, yes. Um, and the fact that he gave a yellow card means that he he recognised the weight of the, and the severity of the, of the situation, but... Probably deemed it too early for a red, which, again, I don't 
agree with particularly but I, I, I understand it. I don't disagree with it bro imagine for the spectator I read cards so early on you know what I mean spectator like I, I I get you yeah for for the beauty of the game not to ruin a game of football like that but it's not you that's ruining yeah, it that it's, was... it's the combination of Sorrentino to Calderola that's yes. ruined it but let, let me get through with the he got his red card eventually yeah exactly <laughs> 24th minute, um, Colpani got the equalizer for Monza. Yeah, it was great play by Monza. Colpani and his new teammate Colombo linked up well with a slick one-two before Colpani slotted in for his third goal of the season. And actually, he has scored all of Monza's goals this season. The new Augusto. Literally. And he has a long way to go to be the all-time top scorer, Carlos Augusto. He's halfway there. He's, he's literally game. half halfway six there. Goals. Six six right. goals. And say uh, history is Carlos Augusto, of course. Last season can be called Pani very soon. He's showing that he's he's quite. A he's good, Aquapani. I think he has a future with the Italian national team as well. I think he does, man. The question is like, where do you play him? <laughs> <laughs> that as well. But where do you play him for the Italian national team? Is he a winger? Is he an attacking he's mid? Like is he a central mid? That has certain skill sets, offensive skill sets that other Italian players don't really have. That's true. He, like, okay, granted, Fratesi can insert himself. Locatelli is not this type of player at all. No. He's not a creative, offensive player. No. Think, mention one who isn't a winger because there's a myriad of wingers. Yeah. But when it comes to offensive-minded midfielders who can play a ball that splits the defense or yeah just have those creative qualities of a turquoise there aren't many right now. yeah Pellegrini for example mm-hmm. can be one but at the moment not really yeah. 55th minute red card Bascherotto straight red for the Italian actually um, he got the ball and a sliding tackle but he followed through with a bit too much of his studs showing that's the ref's call because yes, dangerous play. He won the ball. It clearly wasn't malicious, but the harm was done. Um, and and it's a red card. When I saw it, I didn't think it was, but mm. hindsight is is a crazy thing. And yeah, red straight red card for Baskerato. And um, the ref did end up going to VAR to check. Like, was I too quick to brandish the red card? But whenever I see a VAR check for okay, is the contact significant or not? I typically expect the ref to go with his initial call Mm -hmm. because he saw it in real time, not slow down. 66th minute, Mota misses twice. His initial strike was saved by Falcone and he sent the rebound just wide. Mota was firing everywhere except for the back of the net in this game. 69th goal, Carboni scored, um, but was deemed offside. The Italian took advantage of some commotion in the box, which ended in Carboni scoring a bicycle kick. However, Carboni only had one defender keeping him onside, excluding the keeper. Um, When the initial shot was taken, that ended up falling to him. This makes him offside. Um, As the rule states, naturally, that two players must be keeping you onside, which is typically the keeper and a defender. In this case, keeper is out of the equation, so he needed to have two defenders. That's, That's how you spot a football rookie, right? Yeah, exactly. Like someone was like, oh, so on Twitter saying, "I was offside. The guy's literally out of the pitch, behind the barriers." You heard did, did that? You just... I accidentally hit. Play I accidentally again. hit this. Today I feel uh, gay. A shout out to anyone celebrating Pride and Malta. Yes, right yes. now. Today we all feel gay. In today we all feel gay. 
in the 75th minute and then um, a fantastic save by Falcone on Carboni who couldn't catch a break in this game um, he made himself big to deny a very very close range strike fantastic goalkeeping there miracle goalkeeping by Falcone 85th Calderola accumulated the second yellow card uh, for for um, tripping Piccoli it was yes he he, he had tripped Piccoli now guys we're going to speed through um, the talking points as well because our episodes now need to be under two hours and, and we've got 10 minutes left so here we go um, the brilliant run of Lecce continues as they remain undefeated in this season's campaign currently sitting fourth in the standings with a one point lead over Napoli what do you think of Lecce so far this I season? I love Lecce. They're absolutely amazing. Daversa has one coach of the month. I really like the way they're playing and I think they have quite a bit to their game to the point that they won't get completely figured out in the near future. Kristovic is the first ever Lecce player to have scored in his first three games wow. for the club. So wow. they've got a big player there who they believe in. They've got Banda, Angvist and Strefetsa who offer depth in on the wings and they've got quite a few interesting midfielders as well who can put in a shift not to mention their solid defence with Umtiti going out and Pongratich proving to be uh, an adequate replacement for them over there Lechia are a tough side Lechia are, are solid let's see how they cope with Albuquerque on the next game because he has a one game man yeah um, they secured a point against Monza um, a team that as explained by Galliardi pardon me before the match will find it challenging to surprise their opponents this season Hmm. This is what he Who said. said this? Who said this? Galliani. Oh. This is what he said. Our rivals know us. It will be tough to replicate last year's mm. journey when we secured 52 points and were the best newly promoted team in the top five European leagues. What do you think of Galliani's statement? Do you think they'll be more figured so out this I, year? I, I do agree with him. There's a whole season of tape left in preseason. They would have been studied, you know. I mean, uh, teams that didn't pick up points against them last season. <coughs> Inter. Uh, <laughs> or was it Juve? Inter, I think. Inter, yes. Inter uh, definitely lost at yeah. some point against They Monza. They have a lot more tape to study and um, Monza are worse quite frankly I mean having Birindelli playing who played in Serie B instead of Carlos Augusto who became their all-time top scorer last season from the full-back position uh, everything went through him you know so they're rediscovering themselves they're getting more goals through other avenues like Colpani has been incredible um, Gallardini is settling but he's putting in a, a good a few good shifts over. yeah he's, he's, he's good um, he makes the team tick man I, I agree with Galliani. I do think it's going to be tougher for Monza this season even the fact that they have a new owner and they're not quite sure what kind of team they are at the moment because before this owner um, they had Berlusconi who we've all seen what he can do now yeah. they have the owner of Leeds and we've seen what he can do as well yeah so yeah, that's it absolutely man um, and shout out to Daversa for Lecce by the way did not expect him to have this start um, but power to him because he really yeah. has had this start next game we're going to be covering is Salernitana nil Monza 3 saving the nil nils for the end um, Salernitana coming off a 1-1 draw at home to Udinese while Torino were coming off a 4-1 loss to Milan Torino have remained undefeated in all seven Serie A matches against Salernitana where they won five and drew two They've only faced Mantova more without ever losing in the competition where they had 14 matches won against them. Well, 14 matches undefeated rather. Dia was um, in the stands for this match. He was previously in France and he hadn't travelled back to Italy following the international break. However, mm -hmm. now uh, any beef apparently that there was is squashed and he will be back in the team um, in the near future. We'll see if he plays this weekend. 
3-4-2-1 formation for um, Salernitana, Ochoa and Goal and the backline of Perola, Gjomber and Lovato, Bradaric on the left, Mazzocchi on the right, midfield two of Legowski and Bohinen, Cabral and Kandreva playing behind Botman. 3-4-2-1 as well for Torino with Vanya and Goal on the backline of Schurz, Bongiorno and Rodriguez, Bellanova on the right, Lazaro on the left with Ricci and Tamez in the middle and then Basek and Radonjic flanking Zapata. In the 15th minute, Bongiorno, the centre-back, Torino becoming somewhat of a Torino legend, turning down so many moves um, to Atalanta, for example, he got very close to joining him because he wanted to stay at Torino and he wants to become a legend of the club. He opened the scoring in the 15th minute. Um, he swept the ball into the back of the net after the ball fell to him after a few deflections off of a corner. 41st minute, Radonjic made it too as he curled the ball into the top cor- into the bottom corner, pardon me, from distance. In the 47th minute, still in the first half, Cabral smacked the post on the counter-attack after a square ball by Kandreva, Salernitana getting close over there. However, then in the 50th minute, shortly after the break, Radonjic made it three. It was some good play between Belanova and Sek down the wing, uh, which ended up with Belanova squaring the ball to Radonjic, who only just managed to beat Ochoa, who got a significant hand to the strike. Um, in the 58th minute, Radonjic got his hat-trick, but was denied for being in an offside position. Jake has him on our Fantacultural League, so you're quite disappointed with that. No, he saved my life. Huh? He saved me. Of course, you beat Chesko for the film. You made a great video about it. Thanks, you can find it on Instagram. It's hilarious. 76th minute, Radonjic had the miss of the season. Um, Zapata tackled Fazio in the defensive area and squared the ball to Radonjic, who had an open goal, but he barely swung his foot and scuffed the ball totally over the bar. High, wide, not at all handsome. It was barely going forward, the ball, man. It looked like he didn't care. Um... Just a bit lackadaisy, I think, man. 82nd minute, there was a great save by Vanya off of a Fazio header. Um, that was the game for you. Salernitana are in trouble now. Huh? Four matches, they haven't gotten a win yet. They're on two points and they have two defeats on the trot. What do you think of them? Yes, I, I do think they're in trouble, but they do have their best player coming back. So it's only up from here. Nice to see that all qualms have been squashed between the club and Dia. We'll see if it's true because it's easy to say it, but we'll see how he performs on the pitch if he's constantly flailing his arms around and complaining. But I do think a profile like the up front gives, will give them a lot of confidence to attack. And yeah. it will give teams less confidence to attack Salernitana. Because exactly. right now you attack Salernitana, who's going to hit you on the break? There aren't many people. You can take Andreva. You've done most of the work. Then you have Koulibaly, you have to keep an eye on, but the, the other players aren't yeah. fantastic. You know what I mean? Um, if they have Dia up front, you have to be careful when uh, when you attack them because on the counter, they can totally, totally devastate you with a player who is a natural-born finisher in Bulaya Dia. Yeah, and I think um, Torino, because of that reason, not having Dia on the team, being quite a, a bit too cautious when it comes to attacking. Um, Torino seemed to dominate the game without too much effort. It seemed like mm. when they got the goals, they just had to take it back a notch. Um, but they even had the opportunity to try new things. Radonjic basically bagged the hat-trick. So it was very, very, very comfortable for Torino, who have climbed the standings and currently share fifth place with Napoli, Frosinone and Fiorentina. On Sunday, they will host Roma. Um who will face them with a three-point advantage. Yeah. So Roma are just uh, three points ahead of them. The best team Juric has ever had and they're performing pretty well. Um, yes. How much time do I have for the Netherlands? Um, two minutes and okay. 30 seconds. I'll just power through them very, very quickly. Thank you for listening, guys, if I don't make it till the end. 
Verona nil, Bologna nil. Uh, it was a game which featured many a long-range shot, particularly from Carlson of Bologna, who had quite a few, even smacked the post from range. Zergzi played very well. Ndoya got quite close to scoring. Um, Fabian missed a massive chance at the end of the game. He would have scored his second goal and his second appearance, the youngster. Um, when he missed a header, he, shot it, he headed the ball over the bar at the very end. Um, something that he could learn from Provedel over here. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was a tight game. Loads of shots, very tight. Neither team could quite penetrate over here. Zergzi looked very good. That's what I'm going to point yeah. out. And Cagliari Nel just had that little lack of quality uh, in a situation where the defenses were a bit too tight for the offensive plans. Um, Luvumbo tried to create. He's everything for this, for this Cagliari team. He was absolutely everywhere. He even hit the post over here. Um, terrorizing the defense on his own <laughs> quite frankly where's the help you know his Pavoletti starting next to him and then he's subbed off for Petania he's like give this Luvumbo guy a break poor guy Yeah. Um, but they did pretty well Cagliari to hold Udinese who are a tough side to hold them with Biol um, Cabasele and Neon Perez at the back um, and Silvestri who organizes them ever so well um, that was a nil-nil over there Lorenzo Luca had a few nice flicks but a massive miss at the end Deola had a massive miss and you can multiply that by four because he actually missed four clear-cut opportunities they are a terrible game for him and Thuvan leaves a lot to be desired as well yeah I think in the case of the Cagliari Udinese game both teams left a lot to be desired in the final third um, which subsequently had led to the to the nil-nil um, Cagliari focusing more on on getting a point and Udinese kind of still a, a little bit of a mess with, with all these new players um, around the team whereas Verona Bologna on the other hand was quite a good display by Verona who denied Bologna um, to get the three points over there because Bologna did go into this match as favourites but sorry we couldn't go into this these two matches in more depth guys but we currently have 10 seconds left so we will be bidding you adieu um we'll be paying more attention to you guys's questions next week and we will see you next week love you love you